This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 118 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and Gaz is with me. Are you well? Um, well, I could go on about some little ailments. I think I'm getting arthritis in my big toe on my left foot. Um, I've had to buy some wrist supports while I type because my hands have been going numb. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm not bad. How are you? I've also had to buy some wrist support, uh, wrist supports, but that's for a different matter. Um, I'm yeah. sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> is that, is that to do with when you lock the door and put on air uh, on the outside? Rachel's going, "Why are you recording at eleven o'clock at night, Ben? Oh, I'll just be a minute. Make make that minute and a half. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mine isn't. Mine's from incessant typing. Sneaky Shermans, I think the, the, the phrase was yeah, that you used before. Um, I once, someone's actually said that um, completely innocently uh, in a shop when I went in and didn't didn't intend to buy anything, and I ended up buying a Ben Sherman shirt. And I genuinely said to the lady across the counter, she said, "Oh, it's nice, isn't it?" And I went, "Yes, there's nothing quite like a sneaky Sherman to get the blood pumping." Um, so. <laughs> oh man, I love it when you can get little phrases like that in. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't do it on purpose. That was the worst thing. And when I realised, I think I went red. <laughs> she was about 108 as well. She wouldn't Amazing. <laughs> a little Yoda behind the desk. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it's been a week, hasn't it? Um, we, we've, you know, we've sort of said that when it comes to the... Um, the Saturday games, if we if we're going Saturday Tuesday, which essentially is the rest of the season, we will touch on the Saturday game and then you know sort of dissect the Tuesday game. But I I don't really know what there is to dissect from those two performances because it was uh, they've just, they've just not been great. Um, oh, oh, Ben. Well, I mean, for the most, I mean, for, sorry, the results haven't been great. Yeah, there we go. That's better. Yeah, you know, like I think against Plymouth, I think for probably most of the game I think uh, once they'd gotten their early start 
think uh, we, we were on top for the vast majority of it and then just a couple of lapses unfortunately um led to led to a, a defeat and I mean, if you're a neutral, which obviously we're not, but if you were a neutral watching that on Saturday, yeah, I think that was probably the best value for money you could have spent on iFollow. But um, For 67 minutes of that game, um, and call me what you want, people who are listening, um, I don't stats care. All. For 67 minutes of that game, uh, it's nothing to do with stats, Ben, actually. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was one of our best performances of the season. Yeah. Like, I, mean, um, I, th- I thought we were, I thought we were excellent. I thought we were creative. If you think we did nothing at all in the first 13 minutes, apart from concede two goals, we did very little in the last 10 minutes, apart from panic every time the ball went within 45 yards of the area. But for 67 minutes in the middle, we scored three goals. We should have scored four. Tom had a golden chance. We should perhaps have scored five or six arguably our xg was as high as it's been and there we go there's your stat um for for many games now i think it was at 2.67 which you know i know we scored three but um you know it was still very very good xg for the game it was higher than plymouth's which just goes to show you what ridiculous goals we're letting in at the minute teams seem to have found us out they seem to think actually if you just shoot through a crowd of players you'll be fine Mm. um because you know the, the two goals late on were terrible but yeah, I know we're not dissecting Plymouth, but I, I actually came out of that game with the only my, my worry was obviously the George Grant injury. I had no worries with the way that we'd played, and I had every confidence that we'd go forward and beat Fleetwood uh, until you know I heard about the injury situation. Yeah, I mean, um, it just it it looked horrible, didn't it? When you when you watch it back, um, it, it kind of it seemed like it was the absolute perfect storm of shite because he stood on he, he, I think he rolled his ankle and at the exact moment that he rolled his ankle they drilled a cross in which hit him on the ankle um and it's it just didn't look nice at all um as of the time of recording we still don't really know how long he's going to be out for um Not I think as long as first thought yeah they said I think Michael said in the you know um in the, the, the I think it was the pre-match where he said you know it's possibly not as long as the first thought but um the swelling's gone down a bit now so um Hopefully that's good news. Uh, it's it's just I mean it, it led to well, it led to me texting you I think on uh, was it Saturday night or Sunday when I just said I think the pessimism is now really starting to creep in with regard to the rest of the season. Did I reply? Um, yes, you did. Oh okay, it's not like me. <laughs> I was going to say yeah, you know, and you actually had it's not some... just you. It's not just you. I'm just absolutely terrible at replying. So. <laughs> I, I, and I don't re- I don't remember you messaging me. So. I think uh, oh it was Monday. I said yeah, feeling extremely pessimistic. Um, and you said you you, know, you said me too. Sadly, so it's um, oh, I'm not a bad guy. Yeah, coming out of um, coming out of Saturday, like when when you think about it, uh, just in you know terms of pure numbers, we've got what is essentially the spine of the team that's that's kind of been decimated at the moment. You know, we've got Liam Bridcut out, we've got uh, George Grant out. We thought we'd have. Joe Walsh and Adam Jackson out for Tuesday, uh, which obviously wasn't the case, but it's it certainly didn't look positive coming out of the weekend, did it? No, my my concern is mainly around Bridcut, and uh, again, I know he has his detractors, but I think the way that we play, um, his position is absolutely vital. You know, mm. And when we lost George Grant, it wasn't as much the creativity and and the, and the close ball control that worried me. It was the fact that we'd lost somebody else that plays in that holding role. Um, so I was really concerned about how we were going to 
fill that role and how we were going to um, move the team forward. I didn't actually have a concern about losing Grant from the attacking creative role because I think that we've got players who can fill in there. Um, you know, Grant's been playing the holding role while Bridders has been out for a while and we've, we've still been creating chances going forward. So it wasn't particularly that. And from the outside looking in, people would go, oh, you've lost your top scorer, you've lost this, you've lost that. It, it's Liam Bridcut that's the worry because when Bridcut plays, the centre-backs play better because mm. Bridcut offers more protection to the centre-backs. And don't get me wrong, moving into the Fleetwood game, I thought Adam Jackson had a great game. Or a good game, a good game. Um, you know, no one had a great game when when you lose two one at home. Um, but it's just that protection, and you know, moving on probably to to Fleetwood. But James Jones didn't offer that, uh, and we completely lost the midfield battle against Fleetwood. And this is against a Fleetwood side who were weaker than when we played them earlier in the season. And on paper, one to eleven, we still have a very strong side. Um, it's not about being particularly weak. It's about the single position. Look, Joe Walsh is a big loss. And at the moment, I think we know Lewis Mons was probably not quite as on form as he was um, prior to his injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Walsh was, you know, the, as you know, the Stacey West readers <clears throat> do a, um, they, they rate the players every week. And Joe Walsh, after four games, was head and shoulders above everybody else. And the reason he didn't win player of the month is because he didn't play more than 50% of the games. It's as simple as that. Um, but Adam Jackson was next. And I just think we've looked a lot shakier in defence since Bridcut has been out. Yeah. More than anything else. He's, he's the player because you know, I like George Grant in the role. He plays it very, very well. But at the same time, he doesn't quite offer the same protection. And I know people will say, well, what about Peterborough when, you know, one of their lads was allowed to run straight at goal and there was another game we played. I can't think who it was against. Same sort of thing. Yeah, I take all that on board. He's not always perfect, um, but he's pivotal, absolutely pivotal to the way we play. And to be honest, without Bridcut, we may as well go 4-4-2 and go hell for leather. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's it's obvious when Bridcut's not playing, Um like you say, I think he he kind of with him being a captain, he just he has that authority about him and he has that um he has that air where, you know, he's not afraid to give the defence a bollocking if they need it. And I think he will marshal them in the way that it is needed from a captain. Um and ultimately, yeah, he's you know, we're missing him more than more than I think we probably thought we might do. Um the fact is that you know he, he does give us that um uh, he does give us that, you know, that strength in the in the back, in offering the protection for the back four. But he also frees up George Grant, and it's something that we've said before. You know that whilst yes, it's you know George Grant can play in that more central, sort of more defensive role. When you've got Bricker in there, he can free George up to do what he does best. And um, yeah, it's just a <laughs> crushing shame that we're missing both of them at the minute. But uh, but like I said, I think when you look at what we created against Plymouth. Mm. with George playing in the holding role, we don't lack that creativity. I mean, Conor McGrandles has been very, very good since he's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit different, but he's he's got a great eye for a pass. And I think that we've got the other creatives. You know, Brennan Johnson takes an awful lot of stick. I, I personally don't like Johnson in midfield and Rogers up front because I think they're two luxury players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you put them on either wing, it's a little bit different because you're spreading the load. But when you've got Johnson in the middle and Rogers out wide, it, it, it just hasn't particularly clicked. But, Johnson has the creativity in the attacking midfield area 
um, you know, been disappointed over the last few weeks with James Jones as well. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be disappointed with himself, but we're going to have to move on to Fleetwood and probably pick all of this up, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, like, I think... I think the thing is with um, with the Fleetwood game, me and you both picked up on it on, on Twitter where we said that I think initially James Jones came on and he looked like he had a real fire about him. You know, yep. he looked like he, he had a real desire to, to sort of put his detractors wrong. But it kind of it kind of fizzled out quite quickly. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think he, he just didn't he didn't fit into the role that he needed to fit into. Um, That's the key. He didn't, I don't think he fizzled out in terms of performance. I think he struggled to adapt to where we needed him to play at the time. I think that, I think that was the the problem. Um, And he would have found it more frustrating than anybody. And that, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. So I didn't hear the actual interview, but I seem to think that Michael Appleton said something along the lines of James Jones wasn't playing on form. He was playing because we needed him to play. Um, I, I read something or heard something along those lines before the game, which I thought was really telling. Um, okay. I thought I'd, I'd, I'll be honest, I, I didn't see that. I didn't. I, I, I think it might have been in Radio Lincolnshire's pre-match, um, and I think okay. Michael mentioned it in commentary. And I think yeah, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it, it, yeah, it's not the role um, that that Jones likes. And in actual fact, we did play a slightly different role because we we normally play like a almost like a four-one-four-one, don't we? Mm. or a 4-3-3 whereas in actual fact since Bridcut's been out we've been trying to protect the back four a little more so you you almost had James uh, James Jones on the right side of holding midfield on um, Tuesday and you had Conor McGrandles on the left side of holding midfield on Tuesday but it still mm. didn't work because if you're going to play that kind of that people people call it the the four role I call it the six role because you know Monsmore wears four doesn't he so um <laughs> Or Jackson, one of the two. Is it Monsmore four? Yeah. Monsman's so four, yeah. they're double sixes. And when you play in the double sixes, one player's got to know when to go and the other one's got to know when to stay. And I think we saw that in perfect harmony at times with Michael O'Connor and Tom Patton when they mm-hmm. played there. Um, do you know what I mean? In the in the title winning season, one would hold, one would go. And the problem that we had on Tuesday night, in my opinion, was neither of them wanted to hold. And I think the way McGrandles has been playing, Jones was the one that needed to hold. Mm-hmm. You know, because Johnson, we say we don't like Johnson in the attacking midfield role. He was essentially playing a 10. So it could have been very quickly a 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Johnson pushing on but again that requires an awful lot of work from your wing backs uh, Teo Eden didn't get the protection from Morgan Rogers Anthony Scully likes to play inside right rather than right wing uh, which again then kind of leaves an area of the pitch exposed he just you know for, for 63 minutes or until they scored it just it, it, it looked messy to me it just looked messy I mean I think um I, I came away from the first half, and I know a lot of people were very, very negative on on social media. But I came away from the first half thinking, you know what, that wasn't that wasn't all that bad given the situations that we've got at the moment. I, I didn't think we were, I didn't think we were terrible, but you know, I didn't think we were well beaten by any stretch. But we put some good passages of play together, and there was a couple of really good chances. Um, and I, I wasn't as down on it as a lot of people were. Obviously, the fact that we'd conceded very late on in the half was was a bit of a you know bugger but i i personally didn't feel we were as bad as some people were making out and then um to come out i actually missed the the second goal i was um i was 
you know, just nip into the loo. And I just came back downstairs and I thought, oh, how the hell are we now 2 nil down? And then having seen the goal back, I, you were saying there about, you know, the, 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 the midfielders knowing when to stay and when to go. I don't know who was supposed to be where in the back four when um, when they scored that second goal. I, I don't know which mid, uh, which defender was supposed to be covering who. Um, and they just gave the guy far too much space. And you know, we, we paid the price for it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we spoke briefly off air about um, about how things were. And I think the the frustrating thing is that you know one thing that I said to you is that when he when he came on against um, when he came on against uh, Plymouth, he, uh, Taylor had essentially changed. No, not Plymouth. Christ, what? I'm getting all my games mixed up. When he came in against Swindon. Teo Eden essentially changed the game. Um, and on Tuesday night, I don't think he had his best game at all. Um, and, you know, it's it's not singling out one person because essentially the whole team weren't very good on Tuesday uh, on Tuesday night. But it, it kind of epitomised it for me. Yeah, you're right. I, look, I do, just to go back a little bit and talk about the, the second goal, it was far, far, far too easy. Started with a rubbish ball. Uh, uh, yeah, a long ball, a rubbish ball, but a long ball out to Morgan Rogers. He didn't win it. He didn't look interested in winning it. With you know, and I'm I'm not just lashing out at players here. They've then come forward. Conor McGrandles hasn't been able to put a tackle in. You've got James Jones stood on the edge of the 18-yard area. He simply passed around him. You've got Regan Paul hasn't tracked the runner and he's come running in. The whole thing was just a mess. And I, I agree with you a little bit about the first half um, because, in actual fact. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't good, but it mm. wasn't that bad. We should have been one up. Regan Paul's head, a good head, a great cross. Um, and we created in the first half probably four chances. I think Johnson, Scully and James Jones all had decent efforts as well. Uh, and then after Scully's effort, as soon as we came out of the beginning of the second half, we did nothing for 20, 25 minutes. And that was the problem. You know, we conceded and it knocked us visibly knocked us. And you can see it in terms of the chances created, you know, four before their goal, uh, and then one either side of the goal that they did score. And uh, yeah, I just think that, yeah, I, I text the word collapse in and I think everybody, yeah, I got a lot of stick for that. I mean, in terms of this game, but it looked like it. When that mm. second goal went in, I thought they could score three, four or five here. Um, and, and like you said, Theo Eden changed the game when he came on against Swindon uh, and kind of looked really composed. Uh, and he played more passes when he came on against Swindon, more successful passes than he did in all of his time on the field um, the other night. And to a degree, one person's poor performance can actually be attributed elsewhere as well. So it's like I've just said, you know, Teo doesn't get an awful lot of support or help from Mm -hmm. Morgan Rogers, or he certainly didn't the other night. And I'm not going to kick Rogers completely because I think he's, he's done some great things for us. You know, he looks very lively. But at the same time, I thought there were moments where he looked a little bit petulant on um, Tuesday night, as if the going had got tough, so so Rogers got going. Um, and when we did tack, attack at times, he also made some very poor decisions uh, to shoot rather than pass. And I think Brennan Johnson's been guilty of that to a degree as well. Uh, but you know, you need to be in the positions to make those decisions, and it's positive that we're still getting in those positions. So, and. Overall, we lost the game against Fleetwood. We actually, we actually should have won it because I and I know again, laugh all you want, but the XG, our XG was 1.47. This was 1.32. We actually had better chances to win the game. Uh, it's just so frustrating. They're not a good, they're not a good side, and they won't use this to kick on and go on a run. No, 
no it was it, it was it was telling that I think we made them look decent well semi decent um you know and it was it was just from silly mistakes and and poor goals to give away but there is obviously a massive positive to pull out of that um which is the the return of Callum Morton um what was essentially his second debut I guess um given that we didn't really see a lot of him before his injury um coming back and doing exactly what we've been wanting somebody to do for a long time which is you know get on the get on the end of it and just find the back of the net very quickly um I mean, there's been a lot made of, of Alex Palmer's uh, side volley assist, which was quite impressive. Um, I think Callum said himself after the game that you know it wasn't, uh, if it weren't for the defender making a bit of a hash of it, he probably wouldn't have got the chance. But the fact is he got that chance and he didn't snatch at it. He took his time with it and it was a really, really cute finish, I thought. It was um you know, very good goal for him to to get back on the uh, on the score sheet with, and hopefully, you know, you say about Fleetwood not kicking on. Hopefully, Callum can use that. And I think when you were picking up on Match Day Live about um, the fact that Tom Hopper's probably going to be grinning from ear to ear about this, fingers crossed. You know, this will now allow Michael to rotate and and have different options up front instead of just relying on Tom and you know changing the game if he needs to. Yeah, I was just rolling a piece of paper around in my finger because it helps me think, and I put it down while you were listening, while you were talking, and I have no idea where I put it. Quite <laughs> frustrating. Um, you're quite right. I, I also actually think that it gives us the opportunity to go a little bit more positive in the final stages of a game, and I think we saw that. We didn't go four four two. People um, people assumed that we went four four two towards the end, and I didn't see that. Um, quite as much i thought tom tom looked to drift out onto the left uh, mm, a little yeah, bit yeah. um but he, he certainly gives you more of an option uh, to to shuffle things around and we saw that because you know what from again from 63 maybe 70 minutes onwards we were by far the better team mm. and yeah we, we weren't creating golden opportunities but we were creating opportunities and so to see Callum come on and score and geez, there's something I like about a boy with his with his socks seemingly rolled down around his ankles I don't know how we get shin pads that fit him he must use like a five-year-old shin pads I think it's yeah. more the fact that he's got uh, he's got shorts that I'd be embarrassed to call boxers he really? has his shorts very high. Oh, I wasn't looking that far off. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. My eyes, I find it very, very difficult to look anywhere other than his hair um, because he's just so striking. Solidarity. Um, yeah, on me, I am proud to be ginger and Rod Little, stick that up your ass. Um, I mean, he could say that about anything that guy writes. But. Yeah, I, I was so mad about it. But anyway, um, <laughs> a lot was made of Alex Palmer's um, di- distribution, really, really good distribution. Uh, yeah, we're, we're making an awful lot in terms of a club about a, um, you know, a consolation goal at the end of a bad, a poor defeat. But um, yeah, it's just it's, it's it's nice to see Callum. He he thinks he's going to be ready to start. Him and Adam Jackson being in the side was a big surprise. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we see another return, not on Saturday, but I wouldn't be shocked if one of the other players doesn't come back by Ipswich. Um, because it, I mean, I've, I've I've seen and heard several people suggesting that um, Bridcup may potentially be back by then, and I don't know if Michael's being coy about it, but well, Michael is turning into um, Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex, because he Sir Alex was brilliant at saying 
this player's going to be out for like a year and a half and then he, <laughs> he plays a blinder on the Saturday uh, because it throws people. And I think to a degree, actually, Fleetwood's um, team was affected by that because they played Jed Garner, who didn't actually play badly and score. But I think if, if we'd had... Uh, they played him, I think, because they thought that we would have a young centre-back pair in, in, in Monsmer and Ioma. And so another young player might be more suited to that. And I wonder if if they knew that Adam Jackson, a little bit more of a kind of a rough-ass centre defender, was going to be playing, they might have played Paddy Madden. I don't know. Um, so, But it, it, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting ploy. Uh, it really is. But I, it, it's just such a shame because, you know what, we we've picked up no points since you and I last spoke. I actually think we were good enough to win the game on Saturday. Uh, and I actually don't think we deserved anything on Tuesday, but I still think that we could have won it. I think, you know, there's, there's an argument that we were actually better against Fleetwood than we were against Swindon and didn't get the result. Um, we were infinitely better against Plymouth than we were against Wigan and we we're on the wrong side of the result. But one positive when you're in a dip is he keeps scoring goals. And the so-called dip that we're in is three games, because you know, remember the two of the draws in this kind of so-called bad run of six were Accrington, who were challenging for promotion, and away at Hull, which was a great point. We then beat Wigan. So in actual fact, the dip is three games. Draw against Swindon, we were woeful. Beaten against Plymouth, we were on the better side for the majority of the game uh, and lost to Fleetwood, a game that I think we probably didn't, we didn't deserve a draw, but we did enough to get a draw. So it's interesting. I just think if this is a slump, um, I I don't think it's a slump where we're being outplayed massively. Mm-hmm. I think it's a slump where we're not at our best, but teams aren't coming and completely mugging us off. We're switching off for silly moments. I mean, Plymouth scored four goals against us. Um, you know, decent goals, four goals against us. And you know, their XG was 1.51, which was less than Swindon, less than Wigan. So where's the you know, where's the fault? There's, there's part of it you can legislate against Danny Mayer's goal, for instance. Um Good strike, you know. In terms of an XG, it's it's not a particularly um, a particularly high ranking chance, uh, but he I mean, scored he should, it. In, in my opinion, he shouldn't have been able to get to where he was. Well, the XG for that is 0.11, so he scores that one that one 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 in ten that goes in. And you're quite one hundred percent right. Liam Bridcut plays Danny Mayer five times out of ten doesn't get that chance. So you reduce it even further. And as for the Keller Watts goal, it's just, you know, keep it tight for 10 bloody minutes. Mm. And when you look at the expected goals for Plymouth, I know we're not, I know expected goals but it isn't particularly popular, but it's about chances, right? They had XG on 13 minutes and it was 0.11. Their next expected goal came on 73 minutes. They went 60 minutes without creating anything serious at all. And when you go away from home to a team like Plymouth and you restrict them to an hour where they not get an opportunity, there's no way you should concede four goals. Mm. It's just shocking. Even um, Edwards' goal, his XG, 0.15. Sorry, that was a chance, wasn't it? Was it Keller? I can't remember even who got there. Level, was it Edwards? It was Edwards who scored, yeah. And then... um, their final goal as well, 
both their goals were like 0.0 something in terms of XG because we should have got a block on them. There was no way their goal should have gone in. Just and yeah, I was I was pig sick on Saturday night. I was pig sick because we should have won that game. We were the better side, and this so-called dip of ours comes about where you know, we lose a game we should have won. I I just really hope that we can go and now get a couple of results, and not in terms of promotion, not in terms of automatic promotion, nothing like that. Just because the same old faces that come out of the woodwork on social media saying this is going wrong that's going wrong this player's shit this is wrong you should make these changes i just want those people to shut up and everyone's i respect i respect opinion that's born out of facts i've said that before i respect opinion that is book that has got some sort of substance i will happily like andy pearson will he's a football person and if he's got an opinion he doesn't normally he doesn't normally kind of come out with just statements like this player is rubbish or whatever we normally back it up um, and anybody that kind of is negative and has a reason to be or will back it up fair enough but it's mm. just the people that I'm not going to name names because but it, uh, on Lincoln, Lincoln City banter which I, I'm not anti-banter I, I, it's it's useful for me I'm not anti-banter at all there's one or two people that only ever comment when we lose mm. I mean, they only ever come out of the woodwork and say this player's not good enough or that, and the player's not good enough when we lose. And there's one or two people who I respect massively who goes on about Liam Bridcut. When he plays, Bridcut's crap, Bridcut making this mistake, Bridcut making that mistake. And then the same player will be saying, Bridcut's a big loss. Mm. We haven't got that presence in holding midfield. Some people just exist to criticise the club. And yeah, I I will criticise when it is right. I will pass judgment on individual matches and i will not be um deterred from commenting during a game if i feel that it's necessary but at the same time you won't get me knocking the club down saying we're not good enough when we're third in league one i i know i'm ranting a little bit but do you know what i did the video after the fleetwood game and i, st- I feel it still now i just feel so angry i think i feel angrier at a loss because i know that it feeds people's feeds into people's negativity Mm. And this season, if we finish seventh, it will be a disaster in many people's eyes. Um, and yeah, we'll all feel flat about it. But in actual fact, in the grand scheme of things, it will be hell of a finish if we finish seventh. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like th- there was one, you know, there was one comment in particular. I think it was on the club's official post about one once about Callum Morton. The top comment was something like, "He should have started the game. This was, you know, effing rubbish." It's like. He's just come back from injury. He's just come back from a long-term injury. He's not going to play 90 minutes straight away. What? Yeah, all the time. People saying we've got to play Anthony Scully. He's got to play. Why? He play. He plays an inside right position at times, which suits when you want to kind of when you when you need to come through the middle and when you've got that gap and the, the channels to run it. But it doesn't always work. But there's so many. I mean, this is, this is ironic because it's exactly what we, you and I are doing. But there's so many armchair managers out there who genuinely do not know or do not understand football that the worst ones are the ones that do understand football and still come out with it. Mm. Um, why Why isn't Harry Anderson playing? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? You don't train with the players all week. What do you think Michael Appleton is? Some sort of mug. I think he's some sort of bloke that just goes, actually, I'm not going to play you uh, because 
just because you know <laughs> I, I know that john who works in tesco's or bill who drives a lorry three days a week and and sits on the sofa watching cricket two days a week he knows better than i do yeah, I only played with Eric Cantona and I've only coached in the Premier League with Premier League winners and you know, been to Wembley twice with Oxford. What do, what do I know? So it's like people saying we should sign free agents, isn't it? Well, we're in an injury crisis. We should sign free agents. Why? Are they going to be match fit, are they? And are they going to be ready to play? And are they going to understand our patterns in the same period of time that it takes Liam Bridcott to get fit? Jesus Christ, honestly. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, I think it's worse... Because these people are not going to the pub after the game. Yeah. Because if you go to the pub after the game, you voice your opinion, and one or two of them might voice their opinion, and someone else will go, Tony, you're talking crap, mate. And Tony won't then go on Twitter and go and, and voice his opinion. Um, I think I mean, the best one was. I've said it before, I've said it again. Twitter's a bin fire. That's... I like it. It's a bin fire. I like yeah. a good bin fire, mate. You get all the hobos <laughs> gathering around. <Okay. laughs> I do, Joe, I like the people that say transfer. We didn't do enough in the January window to cover, but then you get the other people that are saying we did too much the year that we won the title because Lee Angle and James, whatever his name is, James Brown didn't play. Mm. Which one is it? You know what I mean? It's it's so easy to use hindsight for criticism, isn't it? Yeah. So easy. Those saying you shouldn't change your fullbacks when we lost or when we drew at Swindon, and then when we don't change our fullbacks for Fleetwood, oh, our fullbacks that tired. Which is it? Yeah. Which is it? I just and I, it upsets me more than anything because we've done so well yeah. and we've outperformed ourselves and yeah. we're capable of doing so. That's the that's the the most the worst thing. If we don't go up this season, is it the worst thing in the world? Of course not, because we've got a team that's bedding in. They look good. We've got a big future. But you know, football's football and even football fans like myself, you don't sit back and go, "Oh, this looks good in terms of a three-year plan." You look at 15 games to go, six points needed. Do you know what I mean? You look at that. Mm. And it's odd. I don't know if I said this on the pod last week or not, but I feel more pressure and I feel more down because we're in uncharted territory. When we were in the National League, yeah, we were trying to get back to where we needed to be and it was a different type of pressure. Mm. But you know, you'd go into games expecting to win, and if you didn't win, it was a, just a genuine anger, but you expected to win the next game. And then when we were winning the league title, I was expecting us to win games. And if you lost a game, you expected, we'll go on and we'll win the next game. We'll go on another run. But I think here, I never expected us to win games. So then while we were winning games and when we were top and you kept winning them, it breeds success. But when you lose the games, you don't expect to win the ones that come after it because you think, how are we finding our level? And I begin to listen to the trolls, have the wheels come off. Mm. And then I feel that kind of sickness in the pit of my stomach when people go, well, it's like 1982-83 or it's like 2006-07 because both of those seasons we got so close. But 83-84, were shit. 07-08, were shit. And so if you draw in comparisons with these seasons where we got so close, you're also suggesting that what comes afterwards is rubbish. And I don't want this ride to end because this Lincoln City team is superb. And it really, I think, being cooped up at home, not being at the ground, all that sort of stuff, it just amplifies all those feelings. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's I mean, it's kind of why one of the reasons, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for being able to do this. You know, it's like we can we can have that measured discussion on stuff, you know, as, as measured as we can be. You know, it's just like. <sighs> it's also like ripping off a scab, though, Ben, isn't it? 
because like I've just put Plymouth and um, Fleetwood <laughs> to bed, and then I have to come on air and talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I mean, to be fair, and I was get also all angry again. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to. Um, well, I was, I was during the game on Tuesday night. I got a, a message from somebody just as um, just as we conceded. Uh, and it Harry was Toffolo? No, no, it wasn't. Cheeky oh, bastard. Okay. It was. Uh, he doesn't message me anymore. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it was in a group chat, and it just uh, it was just a message that said, "All right, Ben, just to let you know, uh, Stephen, you're absolutely tearing into Forest Green." And I thought, you know what? I'd forgotten about Forest Green for for a while, and now I'm thinking about them, and we've just gone a goal down. I couldn't be more angry if I tried. And their third, the third yeah, I know. table, they could be coming up. People kind of kept saying things like, "Yeah, here's here's some um, here's some context." Grimsby at bottom of league, what two? I said, "Sorry, I don't care." If someone's mm. kicking shit out of my dog in my living room, I'm not going to take solace in the fact that somebody else's dog's been run over outside. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then I'm going to save my dog. So it's the same sort of thing. Yeah, mm. I actually. I should do. I actually don't take any pleasure from Grimsby struggling. I, I don't feel bad. I, I'm just completely indifferent. It's like that moment in Alan Partridge where the guy goes, oh, hello, this is such and such. He's uh, revamping our current affairs. And Alan Partridge just hmm, shrugs and shakes his shrugs head. Shrugs his shoulders, same, yeah. Same thing. Someone says to me, Grimsby are getting beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> what? It's cold in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's... Um... It, it's, it was a frustrating few days, um, for sure. Uh, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to turn it around against Crew, who before uh, before Gaz brings it in, up inevitably, um, yes, I know that they were one of the teams that I, for some reason, decided I thought would get relegated this season um, when we did our predictions. But it was that I think it was that one where I had no idea, no reasoning as to why. I just thought, yeah, sod it, Crew, and you laughed. No, Quite you were lot. about to say no idea, and you should have just said that. <laughs> Look, I know I had no idea. I just basically looked at a list of teams and thought they sound crap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do any research, and you started saying who was going to be relegated. I didn't know, and I was looking at League Two first of all. And then <laughs> are we still in Boreham Woods League? No, Ben. <laughs> Manchester, no, Ben, no, wrong division. Uh, dear. Anyway, yes, a crew. Um, hopefully we can turn it around and, uh, and get a result. Um, what, how, how do you see this one going? I mean, it, it seems like they are a team that's uh, that's got goals all over the pitch because they've not got that one focal point of a striker either, have they, at the minute? Uh, they've got Mikkel Mandron, um, who I would call the focal point. They play two up front anyway. Uh, tend to go 4-4-2 uh, with Mandron, who uh, I quite famously once said uh, wasn't any good, and then he scored the winner against us for Gillingham. Um, I've got Chris Porter, who I think is old enough to be my dad, um, and still <laughs> scores goals. So they do carry a goal threat. Uh, I really like a lad that plays. I think he's been playing left wing for them this season, Charlie Kirk. Uh, but I think he's a... Um, product of their youth team in their midfield. They've got Winsland, uh, lads called Wintland Lowry. Uh, one of them, I think, came from a non-league team, Al Sager or something. I think that was Wintel. Um, but a young lad come through the ranks. Lowry, young lad come, young lad come through the ranks. Uh, they've got Harry Pickering. Guess what? Young lad come through the ranks. Um, I, I admire what crew do, uh, certainly. When I say I admire what crew do with their young players, I'm not talking about um, any sort of bad news that... that surfaced a few years ago I'm talking hmm. about the way that they bring youth players through 
um, they, they do it so very, very well indeed. They're not on a great run at the moment. I think they've won two in seven or eight without looking. Um, but they always carry a threat, but they have had a, a run of poor results. I know they were beaten at Swindon not long back. I think they drew with Blackpool. I think they've drawn with Sunderland. But they, you know, this, we talk about home and away, um, not the uh, show uh, on <laughs> the Australian show. It doesn't really matter. Um to be honest, I don't think home and away is is seriously a thing anymore, because I think you go no, away. No, I think from it home. got cancelled a few years back. No, it didn't actually. Um, <laughs> not that I watch it, but I, I actually follow the girl that used to play Chloe in Home and Away on Instagram, and she was moaning the other day that they're bringing in another character called Chloe, and that affects her legacy. It doesn't affect her legacy at all. I'll never forget Chloe. She was stunning. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so away from home, crew have had. Uh, tough time drawn with Blackpool lost to Swindon lost to Peterborough they beat Shrewsbury they were hammered at Gillingham 4-1 they drew 3-3 at Rochdale in an absolute thriller there are goals there um, without a doubt in actual fact they underperformed their XG quite seriously they're expected 1.5 a game and they scored just around one a game what works in our favour is when you're talking about those young players Wintel and Lowry in the middle of the park talking about young players so in actual fact if Bridcut isn't back and we do have to go with a young midfield let's say Max Sanders uh, alongside um, Conor McGrandles with in double sixes with Johnson as a 10 potentially we won't get overrun in midfield. So I think that the way that they approach the game will suit us when we're in possession. But I think that there will be a real challenge to us out of possession because that's where we've been losing games. We've been losing games at the moment or losing control of games out of possession. You know, when Plymouth were in possession, the first 15 minutes of the game, we were terrified. Whenever Fleetwood got on the ball and strung passes together, we were terrified. What we need to do is make the most of our possession. I think Crew offers a good opportunity for us to do that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, they play 4-4-2, two very old hand strikers. Uh, they can go direct to Mandarin if they need to. They don't tend to. They tend to play football a slightly different way. They like plenty of passes, possession build up. They like lots of possession. Uh, it's the third time we've played crew this season. And I did some research where there's been many occasions where we've played teams three times a season. Um, Mansfield a couple of times, Accrington a couple of times, uh, Boreham Wood, Rotherham. We've only once beat a team three times in a season in the last five years. And I always kind of worry, especially if you've already got a cup win and a league win. I always think that this is a game that you are likely not to get a win in. I can see it being a draw, an entertaining draw, but I don't know how useful that will be to in our context of our automatic promotion push. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It, it feels like we need to get a win. We've, we've got to get a win from somewhere um, just to pick everybody back up from, from two really disappointing results. Um, and, you know, when you say about players potentially coming back for Tuesday, I, <laughs> what I wouldn't give for somebody to, you know, one of the injured uh, players to just kind of pop up on Saturday and say, yep, I'm in the starting 11, you know, and, and be fully fit. It's... Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, it's not going to happen. No, I know. Yeah, I know the injured not. players don't come straight back. George no, Grant, here, here's some predictions from me. George Grant doesn't play until after Easter. Joe Walsh doesn't play until after Easter. Harry could well pop up in the squad on Saturday, but not fit and probably wouldn't start anyway. Um, and Liam Bridgecott potentially on the bench for Ipswich, ready for a week on Saturday against... Uh, and I, I would love to tell you who it is um, a week on Saturday against, I don't know, Rochdale, possibly? Don't know. Um, it is. Rochdale, yes. Yeah, OK, there we go, great. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, you look at the fixtures, Crewitz, which from Rochdale, if we hit our game, we should be able to get six points from those three games, and that's your two points a game. Uh, and, and if we maintain two points a game, those teams around us will drop away. You know, they will drop points as well. Sunderland are our biggest threat at the moment. They're the team that I think are likely to join Peterborough in the automatic promotion spots at the end of the season. But we've got two games in hand over Hull. We could easily overtake those. Once again, we just, it, we just, it's not even about buying a win. It's just about matching the results of one or two teams. You know, I don't care now if Peter Bruin every game except the one they play against us till the end of the season. I'm not interested in um, finishing top of the table. I'm interested in finishing second and, and, and going up automatically. So the results that I'm looking out for are Doncaster, Sunderland, Hull, Portsmouth, um, Oxford. They're, they're, the, they're the results that really matter. If those teams are losing or we're matching those teams' results, then we're, we're going to be all right. And if we match all of those teams' results until the end of the season, by my reckoning, we finish second. And, you know, that's that. There you go. Um, so we'll, we'll probably average 1.6, 1.7 points a game till through to the end of the season. And I would expect the teams around us to average around the same. So it's 15 games to go. Um, and uh, you know, by the time we've played, crew... Ipswich and Rochdale, which will be literally in 10, 10, 8, 7, 8, 9, 10 days' time, 10 days' time, 12 games to go. It's getting frighteningly close. Mm. So if we can still be second or within a point of second by the time it gets to the Oxford game, where I'm hoping that we might get a break for the international weekend and we get a Tuesday off as well, I think we'll then be in good stead because I think we then will be able to maybe get, you know, one of Grant or Walsh back with Bridcut. Players like Max Sanders will be fit because I thought he looked mint when he came on uh, against uh, Fleetwood. I thought he showed some nice touches, showed really comp- real composure on the ball. Mm. You just, you know, we just can't let it become a run based on a lack of confidence. The yeah. players have got to stick together. And I spoke to, I said to you off air, and I. I I spoke to Remy Howarth yesterday. Uh, it was for the teaching that I do, and I, I'm not going to do any um, articles or anything on it because you know, it's not fair on Remy. He came on and did it as a, as a thing with the schools, not as a thing with me. But it was really telling how they uh, asked him about the, the current situation, and he was saying how you know, the squad are really together. They're trying to g each other up. They're you know, not letting the the, um, the tempo drop at all. They know that they need to to pick up wins, but they still feel as confident as they did. And I, I have every faith that we can get through the next three games with, I'd like to say six points, four, five points from the next three games. And you know, that'll still leave us there or thereabouts. And then I'm hoping that we can kick on from there. Yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, keep keep up with that uh, two points per game if we can. Um, 
and we'll be yeah, to to quote the the big man we'll be there or thereabouts um by the way that was something that hit me this week eight years eight years since uh since keith died that was no got me more than that sorry no was it? i'm i'm losing it i'm absolutely losing it at the minute was it eight years no more than that, I was on a building site. I would say it was probably 2010. I was on a building site in Red Hill at the time. Um, I think it would have been, was it the 09-010 season? Because we did the memorial for him before the 2010 World Cup when the World Cup touched down uh, against Hereford. And that would have been 11 March. Years. 11 so, years. Yeah, it would have been 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I got eight years from. But yeah. 11 years. <sighs> weird times but um yeah it's um it's been a, a weird and difficult week um i think we said that you know it's been trying to find positives to talk about but obviously we do have the positives um in that we we have callum morton back somebody pointed out that you know if we can get through this tricky spell without conceding too much we're going to have the majority of the injured players coming back for the you know for the real crunch time of the running so we can but hope i guess um we'll see what happens i wonder if I, oh, there's that bit of paper it's all right i pushed it <laughs> to the back of the, the notepad i'm glad that my conversation uh you know grips you and enthralls you Gary. i was listening i can do two things at once <laughs> <laughs> oh dear right um Obviously, fans forums last week, uh, we've sort of discussed the big point, talking points from that already um, in the new contracts. Wasn't really a whole lot else to come out of it. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we said off air that that is primarily because the club makes sure that the news is out there in good time anyway. And, um, and dare, dare I say, I mean, the fans forum are not for me, uh, but it was handled very well, as I understand. Yes, yeah, um, it was handled so- very well. I didn't watch it at the minute time-wise. I'm, I'm so bloody busy that I, you know, I can't keep taking up evenings. This, this Saturday, Tuesday is taking it out of me, I'll be mm. honest. You know, I can't think how the players feel because <laughs> you know, you're, you're sat there and you get the, by the time I've done the write-up and everything and then Sunday comes and I'd normally have some work to do and then it's like, oh, I've got, got a plan for the Tuesday game and then you're up late Tuesday and doing the match report and then teaching on the Wednesday. So I'm doing a day and a half's work in a day. It's just, I, I need a break like the players. I don't know about them. I, I, <laughs> if I get back to, if I get to Easter, I'll have a couple of days off. I'm getting repetitive strain injury. Genuinely. I've had to order gel pads because I've been, while I've been typing, I've been uh, getting numbness all from my little finger, more or less down heading towards my elbow on my left hand. Oh dear. So, I know I'm injured. Uh, that would be me going down as well. Can that Michael can add me to his board. Go in and see the physio. Uh, well, I'm not coming on to. I'm not coming off uh, off the bench to replace you on that one. I can say. I haven't asked you to, Ben. There's, oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. You can you you can stay on the bench, mate. I've, I've, we'll, we'll draft a free agent in. They might not be able to match fitness, but we'll give a free agent a call. <sighs> What's Michael Bridges doing these days? Can he write? Can he? <laughs> okay, get, I need to get, get Cornell on, but Cornell would just get criticised for being too positive, bless him. Anyway, um, right, so anything else we need to talk about 
really. I don't think there's too much. I mean, obviously, we do have Ipswich on Tuesday, but we've said that the Tuesday games are difficult to preview without having the Saturday game played. So One bit that's not difficult to preview is John Nolan's done his MCL or something like that, and he's going to be out for a few weeks. So we won't see John Nolan, unfortunately. Shame. Yeah, shame. But obviously, they've got a new manager, and I believe you wanted to talk about that briefly. Yeah, just uh, just blow my own trumpet a little bit, to be honest. Because <laughs> I said at the beginning of the season, I'd be surprised if Paul Lambert makes Christmas. And I've been basically shouting about that grand's demise all year. I said that Ipswich would fall away when they were top early in the season. They did. I said, they'll get rid of Lambert, they'll get rid of Lambert. And finally, OK, two months, maybe three months behind schedule, they've finally got rid of him. So Ipswich, if they don't make a late run to the playoffs this season... Uh, they're going to be major promotion contenders next season. And I, I actually think that if we don't go up this year, um, the league next year will be weaker because we will likely lose Peterborough, big side, we'll likely lose you know, Sunderland. And then you've got, if, if Ipswich creep in, let's say Ipswich creep into the playoffs, would you want them or would you want somebody like Doncaster? You wouldn't want Ipswich. Not if that squad that they've got is beginning to hit a bit of form because they've got a very good squad. And let's say it's Hull and Peterborough in the automatics. You wouldn't want Sunderland either because they're another big squad, decent manager. Do you know what I mean? They're two sleeping giants at this level who I think have finally got the old steroid boost and uh, and are going to kick on now as well. So I think Portsmouth manager will be next. I think if he doesn't get promotion this season, it'll be a change in the new year and uh, in the pre-season. And I don't think he will. So I think um, I, I know I, I'm the clanging sound of doom for managers um, <laughs> and people will criticise me all they want. But I don't think Paul Cook's the right choice at Ipswich. Um, I think Danny Cowley would have been a much better choice. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really allowed to say his name anymore, are you, without people kind of jumping on it? So, um, but yeah, I genuinely think he would have been would have been just a job for Danny and Nicky. And I wonder if that's partly what they were waiting for. And now they're going to have to reevaluate. Potentially, I was um, I had five live on on Friday night, and uh, Danny randomly came on on the on their Friday social, which was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did he say yeah. hello to you? The what? Did he say hello to you? No. No. Toffs forgot you. Danny's forgot you. Bosie <laughs> never really. Bosie never really knew you. No. He just looked in from afar, like I used to look at <laughs> Chloe from Home and Away. Otherwise known as Christy Wright, by the way. Oh, so you've been Googling them? No, I follow her on Instagram. She doesn't use Chloe from Home and Away as her name, does she? <laughs> she hasn't been in here for 20 years, Ben. Come on, get with the programme. I'm Googling her. I knew her name at the time. I knew the name of all of the popular Australian soap stars that I fancied at the time. Kimberly Davis, Natalie Imbruglia. Um, Who was the other one? The one that played... Oh, God, I can't think of her name now. Kylie Minogue. No, not Kylie Minogue. I saw <laughs> Kylie Minogue live once, you know. Midget. Five for nothing. What's her name? Is it? Is it? Did she play Pepper by any chance? She, her name's Ho- Holly something. Holly. Oh, Not really. I can't. While you plug whatever it is you've got to plug, I'm going to have a look. <laughs> no sneaky Sherman in. No need for. He's <laughs> gone to the chip shop. Holly hey. Oh, Holly, yeah, 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 yeah. There was another girl who I don't know what her name was, uh, and she was a couple of years uh, earlier than that. So it was before I knew. 
she was played by Rachel Friend. That was a Bromwin. Bromwin. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I've, I've got a little bit to plug this week, just a little thing. Um, the mini Sinsel Banks, um, I've basically got the, the process down for making them now, so I'm, I'm making them a little bit more in bulk. Um, I will be putting the orders up over the weekend. Uh, it'll probably be an eBay link on uh, on Sunday, more likely. Uh, more than likely on that one so there will be hopefully orders for around 100 um, they will be 15 pounds each and all profits will be going to the club so um yeah it, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with how they've all come out um, it's taken me a bloody long time to get it to the point where i can actually make them uh, in number but uh, yeah they've um, they will be on sale as of sunday um, so keep your eyes open on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be available. That's my well done. well done. You got anything? Me, I haven't got anything to plug. No, I've, I've not got anything coming out. Obviously, there's the Imp Tunes, which uh, I, I write a uh, biography on the back of the Legends cards. So I've done that for Gareth Ainsworth. So um, you know, again, what a great double purchase that would be. Imp Tune, Imp Tunes latest cards and a a model Sinsel Bank. So. Mm. And you know, production was nearly halted on Sinsel Bank, wasn't it, when you had a, a little mishap? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I'd, I knocked over a, a tub of IPA, but I didn't realise that I'd done that. You keep um, saying IPA, and it's annoying me because I'm sure that's what it's called, but I keep thinking of um, Cans of IPA, yeah. yeah. I had a great one the other day called Snowball. It's cream soda flavour. I thought, I'm having some of that. Went on BrewDog's website. Guess what? It was a special for the Advent Hand calendar. They don't brew it anymore. Oh, oh dear. My life couldn't get any worse. That was the one I was thinking of. Sorry, I've just, I've just been uh, been looking at some stuff while you've been talking there. And it was... Uh, you know, your keyboard. <laughs> Pepper, you couldn't because I did it on my phone. Mm. Um, Heidi Pepper Steiger was a fictional character from the Australian soap opera Neighbours, played by Nikki Whelan. That was a long that's while after me. What year was that? That's how I was thinking of. Uh, I missed that. I only watched Neighbours till about 92. Uh, she she left the soap on uh, 1st of November 2007. And the only reason that I know who she is is because she also had a cameo in Scrubs. Oh, I thought you said the only reason I knew who she was is because I watched Neighbours religiously. <laughs> or she had a cameo in one of those flash colour films that I like to watch featuring superheroes and men in tights. <laughs> Will you be watching Falcon and the Winter Man or whatever it is? <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Man. What is it? Oh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, so I got one word wrong. One word wrong and you're laughing like that. You're the, the one that knocked IP everywhere, you klutz. <laughs> I had to write an article on Falcon and the Winter Soldier the other day. Oh, My room smelt like a bottle of hand sanitizer for about a day. Yeah, did it? Do you know where... Uh, I'm past that now. Do you know where uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier took me? Eight Mile on YouTube. Okay. The rap battle at the end, because the guy that plays, I don't know, Falcon or the Winter Man, I don't care, um, also played uh, Clarence in Eight Mile. Yeah, he was Clarence in Eight Mile. Yeah. That's Good that. film, that. Eight Mile is a wicked film. Um, and those that that rap battle at the end where he goes um, out of here, tell these people some of them don't know about me, and chucks the microphone at him. I get tingles on my arm thinking about it now. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Love it. 
but um yeah and also um to you know to for you to take the uh, you know, to take the proverbial i will also be catching the finale of uh, of one division so nobody tweet me spoilers or i'll probably have watched it by the time this goes out of what one division i don't know what that is it's it's a tv show that's based on the marvel cinematic universe and it's probably uh, the best sorry. thing that it's probably the I best thing they've put out in a very long time it's yeah. brilliant sorry i i don't have cbs so i don't i don't see any of that sort of stuff it's on disney plus mate whatever i don't have that either. <laughs> <laughs> disney do you know what it's really funny right fee and i we went to my cousin's wedding in um, italy in 2014 it was absolutely brilliant wedding at a place uh, called fasano um, in puglia and uh, Sarah, our Sarah, who got married, I was a witness, by the way. It was a proper Roman Catholic wedding as well, Italian thing. It was amazing. But um, Sarah used to work at Disney. Uh, and she had a group of girls there with her who also had worked at Disney. So every time there was a photo opportunity or every time anything happened, there there was two girls there who would instantly try and get the Disney girls together. And they'd go, they'd go, Disney girls, Disney girls. And then they'd get all the girls together. And it just, as the night went on, they just got these these two girls. And it wasn't our Sarah got more and more high pitched. So now every time somebody says the word Disney, whether it's whether it's Disney Plus, whether it's going to Disneyland, anything, all I can hear in my uh, head is Disney, <laughs> Disney girls. <laughs> And oh, once Fee and I were going camping in Cornwall uh, and we stopped off to eat with some more of our relatives and uh, they were arguing about who did Biz- Disney the best when they went there. So it's like, oh, like we took a helicopter there. It's like, oh, well, we got Superman to fly us there personally. And you know, they closed all the rides for us to have a go on it. And we ate caviar and shit out gold nuggets while we were at Disney. And I just, I, I, nothing positive will ever come of Disney for me, ever. It really won't. Ah oh dear, it's uh, all Marvel. Why, why did I bring Disney up? Disney? I don't know. I'm <laughs> watching, um, we've just watched Baptiste, uh, which occasionally has subtitles, and I'm not a big one on reading films uh, or series, but when it's occasional, I can put on with it, and it makes me feel clever. Um, so uh, we've watched Baptiste, and we're now going back to watch The Missing, which I'm sure everybody's already seen uh, and knows what happened, but I didn't watch it at the time, because until lockdown, I had better things to do than watch television. I have not seen that, and I didn't have better things to do than watch television. You, you wouldn't have seen it because there's no superheroes in it. Mm. There's no flashing, flashlight. Bang, bang, bang. Nice, pretty. Look at that light. <laughs> I'm not Rachel, a three-year-old. Yes. dribbling again. I'll come and wipe his face. I'm not three years old, Gaz. No, I know. Just mentally. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what, we... Rachel wanted to start watching uh, Snowpiercer on Netflix the other week, and I said to her, "You should probably watch the film first because I don't know what it uh, what it takes after." Uh, she watched the film; she didn't like it, but the film is bloody brilliant. Um, and then uh, she started watching the series, and she just went, "Oh, this is basically the film, but in like in this in a series format." <laughs> What's, uh, dare I ask? So it's um it it's not it's not a whizzy bang superhero film. Oh okay. It's um it's a it's it's a drama uh, and it's the film has got um chris evans in it so yes you can probably say that that's a superhero thing because he's also captain america um but it's like it's about a train that's going through um is it a flying train no it's an old train that's on rails and it's really cold because it's set in like siberia or somewhere and uh, all of the, the train that can feel temperature that's clever 
Can I continue? Yeah, yeah, please crack on. I'll find <laughs> my bit of paper again. I don't know where it's gone. Yeah, it's it's really it's basically like a class warfare film. It's really good. Okay, okay. We don't. I just like I say don't really watch many films. And we're recording still, aren't we? We are. Yeah, I've just yeah, realised okay. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks. If you're still listening, well done. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's our TV and film recommendations yeah. of the week. Um, and you should all still play Hitman Three. That's my video game recommendation. All right. I think that's probably a good spot to wrap it up, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> have you found your bit of paper is that why you're slightly away from the mic yeah i just i also told fee that um i'd be done at quarter two so any minute now she's going to come home with chips cool all right aren't you the lucky one all right then. we will uh we'll see you guys next week all right yep, see you next week up the imps, up the imps. around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNuggets share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.